All right, welcome to the Coral Rominger Show. Uh, just playing around with a new way of doing this. So I am actually on my mobile phone, so I have no idea how good the quality will or won't be. Uh, you know, when there's a federal holiday, they schedule maintenance. Uh, so my desk is a little busy right now. So uh, what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. Well, uh, first of all, if I do get a chance, uh, give me a little feedback on a comment, make sure the quality is coming through. I always appreciate that, of course. Uh, but I always want to talk about content, too, so I should go straight to content. Uh, Biden fell off his bicycle. Uh, was a great analogy for where the economy is right now and where his apparent leadership is. He's crashed the bicycle, so to speak. You guys know I don't necessarily blame him for oil and gas prices. Uh, Inflation is a bit more complicated than the current president. Uh, we've been pumping money into the economy, as many of you who are true believers in inflationary pressures will remind folks since 2008, 2009. Remember TARP? Remember the bailouts? Um, remember how we all opposed Bush signing that? Then Obama came in and Joe Biden was there with shovel-ready jobs, recall? Uh, I don't know if you recall that at all or not, but uh, he came to Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, uh, down to a bridge somewhere. And of course, years later, the shovel-ready jobs weren't done, but the effect of injecting tons of money into the economy uh, was in fact there. So that caused massive change in the monetary system at some level, but we never saw inflation. Uh, then we come into the COVID era and all this loose money that's been happening since 08 and forward and all this money pumped into the economy. And there's certainly a argument that it's a good thing that Joe Manchin back, did not back build back better and slowed that freight train down. They did spend some money on infrastructure and we're planning some things. Uh, but I can't say that that was a bad thing. Too much money moving into the economy, uh, risking inflationary pressures. So. With that in mind, we know that Biden is at least partially responsible for the situation we're in right now. And I know some of you are screaming, oh, Carl, it's all his fault. Remember, whenever it's the president's fault, it's partially the president's fault, except in the rarest of cases where it is, in fact, the president's fault. And why do I say it like that? Because presidents don't have that much power. And I know you guys say, oh, well, he sends a budget over. He does this. He does that. No, presidents only have the power Congress allows them to have. Remember that. Presidents only have the power Congress allows them to have. A president can veto a piece of legislation and Congress can override the veto. Now, there we go. There's Mike with an FJB. So, Mike, uh, besides the three-letter uh, hunt and pack on your keyboard, can you put some coherent thoughts together on exactly which policies affect you and why? Uh, that's really the challenge, right? Uh, I can say Trump is great. I can say Trump is bad, but I can probably explain why I think he's good or bad for different reasons. Uh, if you just want to point at a uh, gas pump and say FJB, uh, that's great. And you should be in a campaign ad for somebody else besides Joe Biden. But are you really articulating a basis to dislike him? And if you can't articulate that in a way that uh, uh, is coherent, then we're not going to give a lot of weight to your opinion. You're always entitled to your vote, always entitled to your vote. Uh, but whether or not we should put a lot of weight on your opinion is going to come back to why you think what you have. 
even if you're wrong-headed or wrong about something, or I'm wrong about something, at least I am trying to explain it, right? Um, so, you know, we can all throw the FJBs around, and there's times that I say it too. Uh, I put up a gas pump the other day as I was pumping, which had the sticker on it. I didn't leave much commentary on it, finding it amusing. Uh, although I do find what we do find particularly amusing is all my law and order friends have, uh, yeah, he did fall off the bike. Uh, all my law and order friends have suddenly become uh, Antifa or the equivalent thereof. And let me explain. If you vandalize something by like sticking a sticker on it, that's called vandalism. That's like a crime. Just because you like the vandalism, right? Um, doesn't mean it's not vandalism. So if I go and spray railroad car with uh, crazy gang symbols and the boys in my posse are like, that's awesome. That doesn't make it not vandalism. So when you stick a sticker, um, when you stick a sticker on your gas pump, you are committing an act of vandalism. If you think that's a good thing and an act of protest and it's like dumping the tea, that's great. But remember, somebody owned that tea, somebody owned that boat, and somebody owns those gas pumps. And you are victimizing or vandalizing somebody. Uh, and I just find it ironic that suddenly vandalism is cool amongst the law and order crowd. Remember, I've said this to Art on WHP, on an interview he and I did. Uh, one of the nice things about uh, telling people you have loose morals is you're not a hypocrite, right? So if you are a law and order person who has staunchly claimed law and order, and now you're okay with vandalism, well, then you're a hypocrite. So maybe you should restate your worldview and say, I don't really think minor crimes are a big deal. I don't really think vandalism should be a big crime as long as nobody gets hurt. Um, let's see. New Jersey pumps your gas for you for safety to create jobs at a cheaper price than PA. That's interesting. Well, we got the big, we one of the biggest taxes in PA, which was signed by a Republican, by the way, fully implemented by a Democrat, signed by a Republican. There's a lot of that going on with uh, Biden and Trump. Things implemented by Trump and followed through by Biden, a few of those things exist. Uh, sometimes courts require it, but mainly uh, bad choices of prior politicians uh, creep up on us. So, Nobody in the last 10 years has done much to invest in um, refinery capacity. And no one in the last 10 years has done much. So we can go Obama, Trump, Biden, when we talk about this 10-year period of non-investment and things that would help us. But I digress. Back to my law and order crowd for a second here. Uh, the other thing about my law and order crowd is back in 2020, every time there's a BLM protest and somebody disrespected a police officer, they were a terrible, horrible human being, and blue lives matter too, and blue lives are really important, and how dare you say that about the cops? Then January 6th, Capitol riots happened, and all of a sudden they're like, those joke of a Capitol police officer, uh, it was in a show or two ago, somebody was saying, on a post I did, a, that so-called woman police officer, uh, denigrating the police officers from the Capitol uh, who were just doing their job. So if you're a thin blue line person, and you believe in the cops and you want to support the cops and you get mad when a black person protests and the cops don't look good. Don't get anti-cop when a white person protests and the cops don't look good. Right. Uh, so I just find it very interesting that my law and order folks, in fact, I'm going to go one step farther. My constitutionalists have lost sight of the Constitution. So. I have many friends who will tell me, Carl, the Second Amendment is an absolute right to protect my gun. 
The First Amendment is an absolute right, and Donald Trump should not be blocked from Twitter. Um, but when the courts say that the election has to be done a certain way or we're following the law and we go through a constitutional process, and I think my guy didn't win and there was cheating, then to hell with the Constitution, to hell with the law, which was exactly what Trump and his lawyer were doing, saying, hey, we're violating the law here, but uh, this one time because there's this fake election, we should be allowed to violate the law. It reminds me when I was a kid, there was a show called The Ghostbusters. Remember the movie Ghostbusters? And they came out with a cartoon called The Ghostbusters. It really wasn't The Ghostbusters because somebody screwed up on the intellectual property rights. So they had to come out with another cartoon called The Real Ghostbusters, which was a cartoon version of The Real Ghostbusters, who, of course, aren't real for somebody who might think that they're real. Uh, and in one of the episodes of the cartoon, you know, 12-year-old, 14-year-old Carl comes home from school. He's watching. And good versus evil is playing a game, and they, the sacred land happens to be Yankee Stadium, so they pick baseball as the forum, and good is playing evil, and at some point evil is cheating, and, and one of the guys for good, one of the Ghostbusters playing on the good team goes over and complains to the umpire, and the umpire says, you can't cheat, you're good. They're evil, you should just expect them to cheat. But remember, you're good, you can't cheat. Well... A lot of you, and I say some of you, a lot of you, many people on my Facebook page are telling me, but Carl, look what these Democrats have done. We have to play by their rules, okay? If, once you start to play by your, their rules, and when people say it's the goal of liberals and the left to blow up the system, well, you just let them blow up the system. Because if you are going to abandon the rules, then there are no rules. Somebody, even at the pain of watching the other side cheat, has to be the better man or the better woman and be the good guys in this situation. So unfortunately, we don't get to pick and choose uh, when we're good or when we're bad in politics. If the other side's bad, we have to stay good. You know, I can go back to that whole, um, uh, go back to the Corinthians and I'm not, again, I'm not a big scripture guy, but if you read your biblical lessons, how you act and the example you set um, how many people you know dropped more ballots than only theirs? Well, Josh, I don't know. I don't know. But here's the point. If you think that happened, there are recourses for that. $250 million was collected for an election defense fund. Um, some of that money can be purposed by Mr. Trump and the Republicans for looking into this. Um, you know, you heard, you heard the all Republican witnesses, all Republican prosecutors, all Republican judges, all Republican White House employees, all conservatives in the front of the nine uh, or the January 6th committee talking about um, how the election law was not violated um, and how Trump and he people were going to violate the law and that there was no evidence. You can reject that, but you're right. Um, and you can live in whatever la-la land you want and reject any facts that are presented as can I, right? So that's what some of you are thinking I'm doing. But we live in a society where, you know, I could just go down by name here. I could say, well, Charles and Diana and Josh, uh, you were all in a bank the other day and you robbed it. I have information that you did. Now, I'm not going to reveal what that information is because – well, I can't quite get it all together yet, but I'll have it soon. But in the meantime, I need you to prove to me that you didn't rob the bank. 
That's not how our system works. I have to come forward with the evidence first or it's case dismissed. Sometimes people can't bring cases because they can't gather the evidence before the statute of limitations or the time for prosecution runs out. That is a quirk of our system. Um, and in election law, things move quickly. Uh, but we can't just have people making up the rules as they go along. And we can't just have people saying, hey, my name is my pillow guy and I have information on Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez was fooling with his voting machines. Now, I know some of you are like, Carl, you're reaching back. We need to move on now. Well, I've noticed a trend amongst my Trump friends. Uh, a few months ago, there was no election fraud by Trump. Everything Trump did was on the up and up. There was no scamming for money for the official election fraud fund, you know, all this kind of stuff. Now that all this evidence has come out, all you guys keep telling me is just move on. Next topic, please. I, I can't move on yet. I can't move on yet because the Texas GOP just endorsed the idea that Biden is not legitimate. And in New Mexico, some GOP officials were refusing to authenticate an election because it was done on uh, Dominion machines. And they said, they said, oh, we don't know what's wrong with the Dominion machines. We just think there might be something wrong with the Dominion machines. And we want more information. Um, so once again, it's we think there might be. We don't have the actual evidence. But the MyPillow guy told me, uh, his team of uh, experts, remember he keeps saying he's got all this great information. And the grift is the information's coming to a planet near you in the far, far future uh, if only you do the following things and send in the following money and support the following people. Uh, so I'm not going to belabor that point. We'll, we'll move on from the whole election thing here in a second. But just remember this. We have to get to the bottom of whether there was election fraud and where it was for you guys who think there was. And we have to get to the bottom of whether somebody tried to circumvent the law and not follow the law and certify the election as required um, to remain president when he wouldn't be allowed to do so and whether others aided, abetted, or tricked him into doing that. Uh, because it's having a real world effect. Like I said, the Texas GOP just said that Joe Biden's not legitimate. The only basis they have for that is this whole election fraud theory. Um, I have a bigger theory, which is, uh, and, and, and let's talk about this for a second. You guys know the Electoral College. The number of people in the Electoral College is directly identical to the number of people in the House of Representatives and directly identical to the number of senators, right? So each state gets one elector for each member of the House and two electors for their Senate. So every state gets two electors. Some states get as few as one because they have one rep, and some states get like 40 plus or whatever it is, California and New York is higher than that, for one for each rep they have. Okay. In 2020, a majority of the House seats went to Democrats. Um, half of all Senate seats ended up either staying in or moving, but are in equally Democrats and Republican sides. So just on that map, if you just added up all the electoral votes that way and said, okay, just assume every electoral vote from every House seat that went one party or the other would go a certain way and add Senate votes from the states that went certain ways. And voila, the Democrats would have more electoral votes than the Republicans just on that logic, okay? And this isn't new. The Electoral College has been fluctuating roughly between the two parties for a number of years. So this theory that something must have gone wrong, that there's no way that a Democrat could have won, isn't really borne out by the basic math of our process. Remember, in some states, it's proportionally awarded. In some states, it's winner takes all. Even if you look at governors, governors are 28 to 22. 
um, in favor of Republicans, right? But remember, 28 to 22, if you slide two over, you'd have 20, uh, uh, 28 to 22, so you slide two over, what'd you have? 26 to 24. So even governors are roughly distributed between Republicans and Democrats. So when you're trying to figure that out, remember that half the country is roughly Democrats, half the country is roughly Republicans. I posted a study uh, showing the most recent polling that at the beginning of 2021, a majority of people favored Democrats. By the end of 2021, and now, majority of people favor Republicans. We're going to see that in the midterm election. We're going to see a movement towards Republican, as we often do. This is what happens once you win the enchilada and start, things start to slide the other way, which is part of what happened to Trump, right? He won the enchilada, and then over four years, things slid against him a little bit. Uh, as for the raw number of votes, nothing unusual about a highly contested election bringing out lots of voters. Uh, had more people voted than were eligible to vote, it would be an interesting question, right? Now, ineligible people could still vote, and the totals would be less. Um, but we didn't have 110% of eligible voters in the count. Um, Diana says, our election law was violated under the emergency disaster saying voters can submit their ballots right up to election day. Well, yes and no. Remember the states, and this is what Donald J. Trump was arguing, by the way, that the states really can do whatever they want with the electoral system, that they can pick the electors any way they want. So if you believe that Trump was making good faith arguments then you should believe the states have the power up until the 11th hour to redo the whole electoral system, because that was the theory, that they could do redos or send alternative slates of electors uh, based on how they felt about their own internal elections. So if they can just change who the electors are because they think they can, why can't they delay uh, when people are allowed to vote or extend when people can vote? Same idea, right? It's no different. So if you believe that Donald Trump's theories of how to slide around the Electoral College should have carried the day, then you have to accept that the state legislatures have massive power over voting in their own state. Diana, I mean, it's just one of those things where if you take one side of the argument, you have to hug the other side's argument, maybe not tightly, but you have to hug it in part because both sides are agreeing that there is broad flexibility in the states to change how the votes are picked in a federal election. In fact. Uh, I've maintained that if a state wanted to make it a coin flip and said, we will simply have the governor flip a coin, whatever two parties make uh, uh, the basis of the election, we'll throw that on there and go from there. Well, happy Juneteenth to you as well, Donald Stevens. Uh, tomorrow is actually the federal holiday, but today is actually Juneteenth. Um, I've been surprised by how many people were unaware of this holiday. I know it just sort of cracked us in the heads last last year when it was uh, I was working a federal job in a federal installation. And I got vacation pay for junior. Um, I think it amounted to like nine dollars at that point. I think I was making a dollar an hour um, plus or something like that. So um, let's see the PA government did it without our Senate and House approval. Well see that's the interesting question, isn't it? Because the legislature creates the constitution with consent of the people. Remember the 68, our Supreme Court is an independent power and Pennsylvania has a unique power structure. So one of the questions that has come up is, and Diana, this is just unsettled. If a legislature in a state is subject to the powers of the court, 
is not then that legislature's decision subject to court action. Some people have said at the federal level, it goes straight to the state legislature and they can do whatever they want, which is why Trump wanted them to send alternative uh, uh, electors. Other people have said, no, they set up their own laws and their own review system. And the legislature has not chosen to exempt. Remember this, they set the court's jurisdiction at some level. They've not chosen to exempt their own electoral actions from the court. Pennsylvania is a weird state, though. You have to understand Pennsylvania jealously guards the idea that the three branches are absolutely separate and sovereign and have their own regulatory functions, which could play both ways in that argument. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's an interesting and complex argument. But if you can imagine, lawyers are going to slice and dice that a million different ways. But guess what? Let's just assume Pennsylvania went the other way. What would have happened? Um, any insight as to why the price of gold isn't going up since inflation is through the roof? Well, yes, actually. Um, that's because talk radio has been selling everybody on the idea that gold must go up when inflation goes up because it's a hedge. But in the modern era, where are your hedges? Your hedges are in uh, all kinds of other things because you used to be able to buy gold, right? Uh, what other things could you buy? Well, because of all the financial vehicles that are out there, I can buy all kinds of commodities. For instance, instead of gold, I'd be buying palladium, right? Because it actually has heavy industrial uses that cause, uh, as manufacturing ramps up of automobiles, palladium goes up. So palladium's been up. It's come back down, but it hasn't come way back down. Uh, gold, is not, gold is not tied to inflation, I don't believe, the way uh, we've been taught historically. Uh, and particularly in the last 10 years where every talk radio ad is Hugh Hewitt or Dan Bongino or, or Sebastian Gorka, all who I listen to, uh, saying, just buy some gold, you know, because we could be in hyperinflation any time. Now, guess what? That whole connection between inflation and gold might not be true or it might just be lagging, right? We could all be wrong. But I think that's just because there's so many other places you can put your money. You want to own oil? You can buy oil. You can buy all kinds of commodities through paper vehicles that are tied directly to the actual asset. Um, you know, what really changed the world was about 20 or 30 years ago, Goldman Sachs and the boys, right? Mentioning the devil here. Goldman Sachs and the boys figured out we can make a market in futures, but if we could actually just take the commodities on the, op on the options from time to time, we could take the sweet deals and put the grain in the elevators that we own put the oil in the tanks that we own, uh, buy the small liberal arts colleges that we own. But anyhow, they diversified to the point where a lot of the big banks are now not just making markets in commodities, but they own hedge funds too, Josh. But, but the big banks have capacity. So, so think about it this way. Let's say you make a bet on a future, right? And you can't take delivery forever because you're never intending on because people that speculate and Futures and commodities quite often aren't the end user. For whatever reason, you get stuck with it, so you need to unload it, or you're looking for a way to get out from underneath the contract. And Mr. Banker, who's the guy who set up this whole deal for you and it's not making you any money, is like, hey, I'll just take the weed off your hands and only charge you X instead of Y, so you'll come out a little farther ahead. And they take possession of these commodities. Well, that lets them play three sides of the coin instead of making the market on two sides of the coin. And they sell their commodities when it makes them money and they buy the commodities when they know they could hold it and then sell it to make some money. That changes the way the entire economy flows because 
the real economy is now getting sucked into the financial vehicles in a way that it didn't historically. So I don't think the connection between gold and inflation is as strong as it used to be. If we get to 20% inflation, we'll know if that holds true or not. Um, I have some insight into different markets uh, from what I do. And I can tell you, for instance, that the automobile uh, industry is not slowing down. If anything, they're still hiring. Uh, commodities, uh, there's going to be uh, a downsizing in the incoming shipments, but there's a giant backlog to work through. So it's unclear how well that plays out. Uh, there are certain areas of the economy that are going to continue to be very busy. And the one that comes to mind again is autos, because as a Wall Street Journal had an article, one of the guys was pointing out, if dealerships used to hold 120 plus cars on the average lot, they only have 50 cars now on that same size average lot. So that means there's 70 cars missing from inventory, right? They haven't been replaced. Well, think about those dealerships, not just as inventory for the dealer, but where the warehousing for the auto manufacturer occurs, which basically means they have to rebuild half of their inventory and everything they sell. So even if car sales fell to a trickle, you would still need to build a lot of cars to rebuild inventories. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too crazy about speculating where the market's going to head and how bad things are going to get. There's also this interesting thing like with gasoline. I think everybody's still driving because they're like, damn it, I was stuck at home for a couple of years. I want to move around. I want to see the world. I want to go on that vacay that I didn't get to take. Um, I got my vaccine card. I don't care about my vaccine card, whatever. I'm going. Uh, it's the summer, beginning of summer. Travel plans were laid out. I have a feeling Americans' driving habits are going to screech to a little bit of a halt um, in the next month or two as people get over, you know, getting it out of their system. And if prices stay high, what happens is that retards the sale of fuel, then it will allow the inventories to build back up. Part of what's going on, and, and I don't care what anybody tells you about oil drilling um, and all this kind of stuff, all right? I don't care what anybody tells you about not enough oil. We're drilling, we're, we're making 12 million barrels a day, which is more than we ever made, except for a few months during the Trump administration, okay? That's it. We're, we're back in there, baby. So there was only a few months during the Trump administration where we hit 13 million barrels a day. But most of the time, we haven't been anywhere close to that. And, and then for a long time, we're, we're almost at that level. What's happening, though, is there's no stockpile of fuel you put in your car. Um, and the price on that has exploded and they haven't been able to recharge it for a lot of reasons, but the biggest one is refinery capacity. Um, and my buddy Marshall will chastise me. He's got other theories. Um, and by the way, I did a little research, you know, keep people talking about federal permits. 95% of all drilling in America now is fracking. Okay. 95% of all new drilling is fracking. And only 11% of fracking requires a federal permit on federal land. So while the permits are important and it does have an effect on the market, I don't want to underplay that, the majority of the fracking is done on private land and the whole permit thing is unaffected. Um, there's a lot more going on there. Um, and Diane says it was nice when people stayed home, less traffic and all that. I guess a lot less people out and about. Yeah. And what happened was, if you remember, fuel prices crashed because they had all this fuel on hand and nobody using it. Airplanes weren't running, you know, cruise ships weren't going, 
all kinds of things that consume lots of fuel, including cars, weren't moving very much. So everybody uh, rejiggered their forecast, turned everything off. That's how the auto guys got in trouble with not enough chips. They didn't understand that the autos were going to pick up. Nobody really knew. There's never been a, a voluntary economic downturn uh, like we had worldwide during COVID. And again, anybody that's like, well, Donald A. Trump, Joe Biden, he said worldwide. Xi shut down and is continuing to shut down lots of China, right? That's got its own set of problems. Uh, Vladimir Putin, the strong man you all love, you know, the strong guy. Uh, that some of you think, you know, the Viktor Orban of Russia, uh, you know, you're all excited about Viktor Orban in Hungary, while you're all excited about Putin and his strength. Um, he, too, locked down portions of his economy. Uh, you can find a country or two that did it differently. But the point is, the whole world went through massive economic disruptions. And I'll give you an example. The United States, we like to think that we're like the last great empire, right? Maybe, maybe that's the key last grade last um china only sells one eighth of their exports to the united states it used to be 80 percent of their exports 20 years ago went to the united states only one in eight items exported from china ends up in the united states meaning america's not china's big market anymore we're we're their biggest market let's say as a country but most of what you would produce as a chinese manufacturer for export is not going to the united states so how the United States plays into things changes over time. Part of the reason is other countries are growing. Guess what happens when other countries grow? And I want you guys just to think about this example for a second. We talk about gasoline and cars and things like that. But do you have a window air conditioner unit somewhere in your house? Have you ever had one or maybe you have one? You have central air, but let's just talk about that window unit. You ever notice how heavy it is? What's in the window unit? It's copper and aluminum, okay? A lot of copper and a lot of aluminum. Very heavy. It's a lot of metal. Now, imagine you live in a country where you've never had air conditioning historically, but now your building has reliable electricity and you want to get this air conditioner because it's 98 degrees in the summer where you live and you plug it in. Once you get that air conditioner, you're never going back. You're not getting rid of it, right? Now, imagine that country has a billion people in it. And at first, 10 million people get a portable air conditioner stick in their window, and next year, 20 million people buy it. And pretty soon, 150 million people have one, and now 300 million people have one. How much copper does that take? How much aluminum does that take to make 300 million window air conditioners, okay? It's a huge amount of material. And each one of those consumes a large amount of energy because it takes more energy to cool than it does to heat, right? Because you've got to use it as a pump, and they're very inefficient and they hang in the window and the flies come in and all this kind of stuff. But if you understand that, scale this up in your head. Imagine all these people around the world who've never had air conditioners before are getting window air conditioners. They need fuel. What kind of fuel do they use? Well, they use coal, right? Uh, they use natural gas to produce the electricity, right? But every time one of these things goes online, it increases the market for energy. And we are not keeping up with it. And when I say we, I mean the world. I mean the U.S. We got these crazy policies. You know, we got Germany shutting down their nuclear power plants. I mean, crazy, right? Hey, Russia, we want to be beholden to you for energy, so we're going to shut down our nuclear power plants because of what happened in Japan. 
Japanese shut down their nuclear power plants because of what happened in Japan. Um, you start taking major nuclear. In the meantime, Britain, by the way, is building and putting online major nuclear power plants. We need nuclear power. If Biden could do anything, if Trump could do anything, if we could find somebody, maybe Rick DeSantis, please, since he doesn't. Remember, DeSantis won't let anybody drill off the coast of Florida. He went to battle on that. Nobody's mad at him for blocking the drilling at Gulf Coast, uh, even though that could have added hundreds of thousands of barrels a day to the mix. But the reality is, as I told you before, put more oil on the Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast doesn't make a damn bit of difference to our prices. Uh, and I can go into that another time. But if you guys want to talk to me about that, we will. Um, Let's see. There's also an issue with refining capacity. It's not necessarily on the crude side. In the, moment, in the summertime, makes it worse. That's exactly right, Mark. Um, and and if you listen to my prior show, I've been trying to illustrate how the price of oil per barrel back in 2008 was actually more inflation-adjusted um, real dollars. It was actually more, and inflation-adjusted way more. But diesel never got as high as it did. Liquid other liquid fuels never got as high as it did. And kids, I got to remind you, the fall's coming, right? The oil, I used to heat with oil, so I know about this. I switched to natural gas. Natural gas is more expensive, but it's still expensive. But what, what I want you to wrap your mind around is as the world starts to grow, right? There are now more arguably middle-class people in China than there are all of America. That, they were not there 20 years ago, okay? So the mix of the world is changing. And every time I hear somebody say like FJB or F date djt or whatever donald john trump you know i hear it on both sides um or praise one or the other like everything they did was great it's too complex for any one president um and each president deals with all the policy before him so for instance trump was unable to overturn obamacare right um trump was unable to get an infrastructure bill passed he was unable to change a lot of regulation because it's very hard to change regulation uh, Joe Biden uh, has signaled certain things and done certain things, but the reality is he's not going to have a lot of time to get a lot of stuff done either. We pretty much know he's on the way out. I mean, he's not running again. There's just no way. I mean, that would be like uh, Democratic Harry Carey. Uh, hopefully both sides will put up fresh candidates. I, I would, I'll tell you what, I would love to have a choice between a Republican I like and a Democrat I could like. That would be refreshing because Every election in my adult life always seems to be which guy seems like less of a weasel and the least, least capable of the two, right? Um, for some reason, we keep sending up not ideal candidates. And, uh, you know, again, you can get all rah, rah, rah. But again, if you're all rah, 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 you're probably not thinking about the world, right? Um, I don't know where else I want to go with a lot of this. I'm not taking polls tonight because of this little technical uh, hurdle because I'm literally on the same phone I would be taking the calls from. Um, we're still working on some technology stack. We're going to build our stack up so we can take video calls on here and bring you guys in. You can see a slightly different format tonight so I could see the, uh, the comments as we went. Um, I, wa I want to leave you with, and I'm going to wrap this show up because it's Father's Day. I sent a little guy off to camp today, the Boy Scouts camp. Um, he is uh, as excited to go, obviously, I'm sure. Um, I could bust on Herschel Walker at this point. And once again, this goes back to my theory. Just tell people you have loose morals and no one will think you're a hypocrite. Um, come clean. And if you're going to run for major political office, you got to sort of throw all that stuff out there. Um, 
I could fill you in on a couple of facts that will take you on a whole new path. But first, you'll have to prepare yourself. Your mind will be blown, Coral. Okay. Um, always open. Uh, so, listen, that, that's the single most important thing. So, for instance, when somebody tells me they're not watching the January 6th hearings, I'll also assume they're not studying anything else either. Because if you're truly interested in understanding what's going on, right? So, so let's work this two ways. If you think that some of what the January 6th committee is telling you might be interesting or true, you probably would watch it. But if you thought they were damn liars and they were just giving you bad information, right? And you would probably still watch it to see what the other side is doing so that when one of your, one of your friends like me comes rambling along and says, oh, well, you know, did you see? And you can explain to me why it really isn't true and, and put up information, et cetera. So I would think that would be something you would want to do. Uh, the same way, if you start reading an article and it pisses you off because it doesn't make sense and seems wrong, finish reading it. It reminds me of the Sunday school teacher who said, you know, you, you shouldn't take philosophy because it may lead you astray from, from God. Well, maybe. Or maybe it'll just help you see that the world's more complex. And people don't like complexity when they're trying to control you because if they acknowledge complexity, then their simple road answers and their ability to say, I am good, he is bad, is taken away. So remember that. Empower yourself with knowledge. And that means all knowledge. It means knowledge that, uh, I don't know if it's forbidden knowledge, but knowledge that isn't relatively known. But you're not going to know what you don't know unless you look at all sides. And I see some of you on Facebook who really struggle to do this. And I see some of you on here uh, with the with the one-line words and the hater stuff. And, and it's fun and it's funny and there's nothing wrong with doing it. But make sure you're, you know, intentionally watch MSNBC one day. Uh, I have a buddy, right? He's always going on and on about what Rachel Maddow says. And, and I was like, you don't even watch Rachel Maddow. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you only tell me what Rachel Maddow says because Fox News tells you what Rachel Maddow said. Rachel Maddow has like three, she has, she has like three viewers like me, okay? That's it. But she's got this thing going on where she says something kooky or wacky or, or reprehensible or, or whatever, or disagreeable to a certain stripe of individual. And then Tucker Carlson says, or, or Hannity, you believe what Rachel Maddow just said? Unbelievable. Fucking the, the left is just off their rocker. And then two million people on the right hear what Rachel Maddow said when really her core audience of 300,000 schleps that listen every night just got what they got, right? So the irony is a lot of times maybe you should watch what Rachel Maddow says so you can see what else she says besides the parts that are sensationalized for you. And if you're a Rachel Maddow fan, um, watch some Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker's not, yeah, oh, well, you guys know I hate Tucker, so it's hard for me to say this, but he's not always wrong. He's not always wrong. Um, and Tucker has been on MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. So we're watching a little Tucker's like kind of getting all three. Uh, he knows where his audience is. And by the way, Piers Morgan, I like Piers Morgan. He had me on his show a few times over the years, mainly in that small band of my 10 seconds of fame, right? And uh, I, I enjoyed him, and he was a very nice guy, but he's definitely not a conservative in the U.S. conservative sense. He's anti-gun, but he got a contract with Fox Nation now, right? 
So all of a sudden, he's a person grata on Fox News. That's how the real world works. Remember that. So explore, look, and read and learn. Uh, and I appreciate you guys and have a happy Father's Day. And I am out of here. I think I have to like do three different things to get out of here for sure. Take care.